Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast, Making Milestones. I'm Shelby Dennis and I work from my business, Milestone Equestrian. And this podcast is kind of just a side gig of my stream of consciousness thoughts on horse things and all things that. So if anyone's interested in following my other pages, you can check out my Facebook, which is just Milestone Equestrian on Facebook. Instagram, which is at S-D-E-Q-U-U-S, S-D-Equus. And my YouTube, which is just my name, Shelby Dennis. And my website, milestoneequestrian.ca. We also have some saddle pads out that I've released, and they're available in suede, cotton, or satin bases, and numerous of lovely colors that you can check out. And I've personally tried to price them at the point where they're quite a bit lower than the industry standard for the same materials and same types of pad and same quality, so that they're more affordable for people who want to have something fun on more of a budget. So you can check those out too. There's a link to the store on my website. Thank you, everyone, and we'll just get into it. So I wanted to talk about accessibility in the horse world, which is something I've touched on a bit in other podcasts and frequently on my pages or in blog posts. And basically what accessibility means is people's ability to access the features of the horse world, maybe lessons, showing being around horses, and so on and so forth. And as a lot of us know, the horse world immensely lacks access, especially in the competitive show world. It's more accessible to try to get lessons, even if it is very expensive, than it is to actually try to dip your feet in as an equestrian athlete to get into the competitive world of it. When you compare it to other sports like soccer or football, like team sports, and Things like even gymnastics and other things where you're only really transporting yourself and you're not having to factor in the cost of another animal. So there's a ton of costs associated with it. And said costs can be really, really hard for people and their families to afford to be part of the horse world. So it deprives a lot of people of access to horses, which is unfortunate because especially when you look at like the competitive aspect of it, it means that much of our sport is dominated by people who are super privileged with a lot of access to wealth. And this isn't a bad thing. And I'm not saying this to fault anyone who comes from money or say that you didn't have to work hard to get to where you are in the show world. But to put it on the flip side, if your parents are helping you pay for your show fees or if so anyone else in your life is helping you pay for your show fees, doesn't matter who it is, and you're not having to consider those fees along with even little costs associated with like car insurance, your rent, school, post-secondary, clothing, gas, all of these little things add up. So even if you have someone covering like just a couple of these things, it means that it's taking away a set amount of money that you do not have to worry about raising or working for. And a lot of people don't have that. Some people are even taking on more more concerns of their family than just themselves some people have to work to help their family afford things and help with siblings health issues help pay off debt save off up for their post-secondary schooling and so on and so forth so these things take precedence and it means that anytime they are working for money they are working while factoring in these other costs whereas other people might not have to factor in those costs and working hard and finding the time to ride when you're working part-time or not at all because you're fun are partially or mostly cared for 
it's still working hard but if you can try to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's working full-time while trying to find the time to ride and take lessons and the energy to take care of their horse and throw themselves fully into riding along with all of the stuff associated with showing and packing for competitions and stuff even if they're able to financially manage it I'm sure you can imagine how much more burdensome it is to have those amount of hours of work and have to put that much time and energy into making money without so much outside help and that's basically what I mean by access because it doesn't even mean that you have to be like absurdly wealthy or even above what the average family might be able to afford because you're only looking at things through the lens of like the challenges that you've had to overcome within your own life so when you say like oh I've worked hard and I was able to achieve this that might be true for you but to try to play it off as access in the horse world solely being about people working hard is doing the many, many people who would love to be a part of horses in either more or in some capacity if they're not able to afford it at all. You're doing all these people a disservice because you're implying that if they're not able to achieve whatever their goals are, they're simply not working hard enough. And this is a super toxic mentality. And I know most people don't mean it to be this way, but it's toxic because it's implying that like all it takes to get ahead is hard work and that if you work yourself to the bone, you should be able to achieve these goals. And what this means is that we inadvertently push people to accept working student positions where they might be underpaid, undervalued and overworked, or we push them to work themselves so hard and put such a focus on getting to this end goal and working as hard as they can. And if they don't achieve it, then the only person that they have to blame and beat themselves up about about is themselves according to the general public and this is not fair because it comes with the assumption that everyone has the same amount of obstacles to overcome so when you're saying work like working hard to someone might be taking on a part-time job to help fund your lessons and show fees while being in university but having your funds paid entirely by your family or at least having the comfort of a loan that you know you can handle and afford when you're out of school. So that might be hard work for some, but hard work for others could be supporting the younger siblings of their family, having to babysit them, having to work and contribute towards your family so your family can afford to eat, along with going to school, trying to fund your university or post-secondary education or make plans to do so, and factor in a full or part-time job on top of all of these other responsibilities. And the obstacles can even be like a lot more in-depth than that. You don't know what else other people are struggling with that will make what they're doing harder to accomplish you have to factor in physical things that might prevent people from doing so like injuries disabilities and overall capacity to be able to physically work and do things within the horse world to kind of work things off and try to make it more affordable and then you also have the mental health component of it you have people who are struggling with anxiety and depression or who have executive dysfunction disorders like ADHD or who might have autism and other things that will make kind of assimilating within the horse world well enough to get a job and have people help and support you very difficult and on top of this it can make it really hard to manage a full schedule with school work horses and everything and be able to deal with the stressors of that and actually keep your head above water and playing it down to just being hard work is extremely ableist because you're completely 
disregarding people who have obstacles in their lives that even for a day-to-day normal things that all of us take for granted are made difficult because of their disabilities or other factors that just make going about the motions of their life more difficult. And I truly don't believe that most people are trying to act this way to be offensive to these types of people when they try to play it off as only being hard work. But I do think it comes from a place of wanting to give themselves more of a pat on the back for the hard work that they've done and kind of in a way playing the struggle Olympics because you don't want to take less credit than you think you deserve for your hard work. And that's fair, but it also doesn't take away from the hard work that you've put in to acknowledge the fact that other people have more barriers or harder barriers to climb and that in some way you had some privilege which most people can say even people who have struggles in life and even people who are barely making ends meet they might have a privilege in that they have a tight-knit family that's very supportive and offers emotional support whereas there's people in the same situations that might not have that so privilege doesn't mean that things have come easily to you it just means that there's factors that have given you a leg up to get to where you are today and coming from myself like my business I started completely on my own and like everything with like yeah training horses and stuff like I had to put the work in to get that done and it was hard work and I've also funded most of my university education through student loans and also paying out of pocket and along with this all of the cars that I've bought I've bought myself I pay for my car insurance gas and all of those funds associated with kind of making my life work and giving me access to things and whatnot. But I have to admit that if my parents hadn't had the money to start me in lessons at a young age when they did, most of the opportunities that helped me get ahead to where I am today wouldn't have existed. People don't give many free riding opportunities to beginner riders and it makes sense because it's a liability and when you're offering free riding, usually you want to make it less work for yourself. So you don't want to be necessarily giving lessons or having to be around to supervise someone for safety purposes. So that part makes sense. But Without my lessons from a young age and ability to kind of participate in the horse world for long enough paid for by my parents when I was young, because obviously when you're four, five, six, seven, eight, even 12 years old, you're not typically working to fund any of these things. So you're utterly reliant on your family's ability to provide for you. And that has nothing to do with hard work. Kids have no control over these things. And even with parents, there's a lot of parents who are working extremely hard at minimum wage jobs, putting in more hours and more grunt work than people who are earning more. And because they earn less, it doesn't mean that they're working less hard. And in fact, in a lot of cases, they're working more hard. So my ability to get these opportunities was reliant on having access to the horse world from a young age that allowed me to develop my riding skills enough to get by and to get opportunities from people willing to let me ride for free and kind of show me the way of things like starting horses under saddle because I could ride well enough to actually start to be taught these things. And without that access, I wouldn't have gotten these opportunities. And similarly, I would also say social media has given me quite a bit of access to things in the horse world through sponsorships and other things that I wouldn't have access to due to the fact that I don't show enough or at a high enough level to get these things without the social media presence. But if I hadn't started riding at a young age and if I didn't have horses to frequently ride and if I hadn't kind of developed as an equestrian, I would have had a way harder time developing a social media following online because I wouldn't have as much content to post. 
I wouldn't have as many exciting things to film and so on and so forth. Like it all comes down to access and the original privilege of my parents having enough money to pay for my lessons from a young age. And I was super fortunate for that and I took it for granted at the time and I do think that there's a lot of people who have these little privileges that add up into being like a pretty big deal within their lives. They have these things and they don't realize it because it's something that they've been so accustomed to that to some extent is taken for granted and I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean when you grow up having something always there, you don't even fathom the fact that other people might not have it as well or that other people might struggle with access to that and it takes a lot of self-reflection and kind of hanging out with different circles of people with different levels of access to actually realize these things. So I understand that a lot of it comes from ignorance and lack of knowledge and just lack of awareness of how these things are happening. But there also has to be a desire to learn about these things rather than people just getting defensive and saying what they need to say to try to upsell themselves and their hard work, but completely dis disregarding the work of others. And People might not think this is a very big deal, but the reason why I wanted to talk about access and just the entire notion of hard work as it is worded in the horse world, it's very toxic because the longer we perpetuate the idea that the only thing holding people back is like their work ethic, the more we are pushing people to kind of, yeah, get underpaid, underappreciated, work themselves to the bone and put themselves in an unhealthy mental and physical circumstance in an attempt to get ahead and get something that a lot of people are able to achieve a lot easier. And like I said, being dedicated to riding all the time and going to shows and putting yourself out there to get criticized by trainers and all that stuff even if all of your funds are paid for that's not an easy feat and like being in the public eye and getting judged and all of that stuff it's not an easy thing to do and like people who do this work hard even if all of their expenses are paid but there is no way to even deny the fact that if you had to kind of account for paying for another like $10,000 a month or even $5,000, $4,000, $3,000, even $1,500, if you had to factor in the need to earn that money to pay for it each month all on your own, it adds more work to what you're doing. So if you look at exactly what you have access to now and consider the fact that there's people who are having to pay for things that perhaps you're not having to consider right now, like car expenses and so on and so forth, think about the work you're putting in now and try to envision how that would feel if you had to factor in a set amount of hours to earn additional income to pay for something that right now you don't have to worry about and you can't tell me that it doesn't make what you're doing more difficult because you're having to factor in more hours to earn money to afford something that you need to pay for there's no way to even deny the fact that that's adding workload to your day-to-day -day schedule and and that's not a bad thing like I think people should be comfortable in their privilege and I think that people like acknowledging it is honestly the main thing that's all people really want and obviously there's people who are judgy who will say things like oh you're spoiled or things come so easily and that's not okay either but I think that for the most part that place is coming from such a place of exhaustion and bitterness that people lash out at those that they are jealous of because they feel so trapped in their financial circumstances because of the way the horse world and the rest of society works that they in turn lash out at people who they view 
as having it better than them. And this isn't to say that like money makes everything better. I know a lot of very wealthy people who are dealing with immense struggle and have like a lot going on and it doesn't take away from those struggles. But that's kind of the way people look at it because they're idealizing the situation of having money and they're also disenfranchised and depressed and feel trapped within their economic circumstance. So they lash out as a result and that doesn't justify their behavior because I don't think you should shame people for the circumstances that they were born into. But at the same time, it is so common in the horse world to see people flaunting their privilege and completely being inconsiderate and unaware of the hard work other riders with less are putting in and just kind of writing off their hard work by saying that if they worked harder, they would be further ahead. And the ironic thing is that I think a lot of people defend their privilege using these practices and using the hard work concept of like, oh, well, if you just work hard, you could do this too. They use that to defend their hard work, but then they deliberately insult the work of others by using that as a buzzword to justify how you get to where you are in the horse world because you're insulting anyone who is working hard but hasn't been able to get to where you are and you're completely discrediting their level of hard work on the basis of they don't have as much as you to show for it and this is like such a problem outside of the horse world like it's not just within the horse world because it's a worldwide problem because the way I see it you have people like working the front of the lines and food services working like overtime hours at places like McDonald's getting consistently abused by customers and trash talked and having people not respect their jobs at all and constantly being treated as lesser than and then they're getting underpaid for these things and as a result like they're probably bitter like for example before I started training and before I decided to start training horses full-time I worked in food services at a small restaurant business as a hostess and I worked there for several years like I think it was like four years total before I ended up quitting and I had to deal with difficult customers all the time it was a high stress job it was very like mentally taxing from the standpoint of I really didn't like the work it was boring work and you were constantly getting spoken down to by customers and also the pay was such that you did there wasn't a sense of feeling valued in that job and we did get tips but like tips don't really add that much to your income and you can't factor them in for like what you're actually earning because they fluctuate so anyways, I was in this job for several years and I remember when I asked for a raise, I was initially turned down even after having been within that job for years and being in the position where I'm training new employees but getting paid the same as them. So in order to get my raise, what I ended up having to do was wait until all of the university students who worked there were going back to university and quitting and then I threatened to quit if I didn't get a raise and that's how I got my raise. But then the problem was every time minimum wage was raised, my employer at the time did not match the, the wage. And I'll be honest, because of how undervalued I felt and how little money I was getting and how just disenchanted I was with that workforce and feeling like I wasn't valued in my job and wasn't respected. Like I worked way less hard at that job than I have like at anywhere else because I got to the point where I was kind of just apathetic about the whole thing. And it was very frustrating, but it was still hard work. And 
I got burnt out because of the lack of appreciation. If people had actually paid me fairly and treated me like a person, I would have worked even harder than I did. But it's hard to continue putting your all into something full time year after year when you're consistently underappreciated and undervalued and you're working your ass off and seeing nothing to show for it. And that's kind of how I feel about most minimum wage earners, because I would say that those jobs are harder than a lot of higher paying jobs. Like the amount of abuse you have to deal with working in retail and food services for such little money and you're always on your feet, you don't typically get breaks and you're just having to learn on the fly. There's not usually a ton of training involved and you have to adjust to a very busy dynamic environment without with minimal training, minimal compensation and taking abuse from people who don't respect you and view it as acceptable to just be completely cruel to customer service workers and then on the flip side you also have some jobs that are more highly specialized like paramedics for example that are getting so underpaid for the amount of trauma and horrible things they have to deal with and how important their job is and people who take on jobs like that you can't tell me they're not working as hard as the big corporation owners who are turning in thousands of dollars a second through the usage of their minimum wage employees doing all of the grunt work. You can't tell me that like minimum wage earners or people like paramedics are working less hard than people who make more simply because they've more successfully exploited capitalism, which generally speaking is reliant on you being born within a family situation that gives you the means of successfully exploiting capitalism because you do need to spend money to make money. And I refuse to believe that the amount of money you earn is an indicator of how hard you work because I see all these amazing people like even just going like I go to certain fast food places frequently for coffee and like there's people that I know that are working in like yeah little restaurants like fast food joints and they're like the friendliest sweetest kindest people super hard workers and honestly like those people deserve so much more compensation for the work they're putting in and for putting on like a smile every day after day and treating people customers nicely even when they take abuse so frequently from customers and they're putting their work in but they see such little profit in comparison to the people at the top like the way I view the world is it's essentially a pyramid scheme and everyone at the bottom is just screwed and working their asses off to make tons and tons of money for the people at the top who don't really have to put in that much labor and I'm not saying that like all of these CEOs are lazy but like the way the world has been working is for people to underpay those at the bottom so that they can make more. And it has gotten to the point where like it's not even like the people at the top are losing out on necessary things in their lives or even the luxuries that they earned from making that much money. They're essentially just hoarding wealth. And it's so toxic with looking at how the world is run to tell people that hard work is all it takes to earn money because it's not true like I think it is so insulting to people like the garbage disposal workers people who are working in like heavy labor construction jobs which are usually paid a little bit better but you're at higher risk of injury barn workers who are working really hard labor usually for far less money than any other labor intensive work does like if you compare them to specialized workers like construction workers who have to be trained to do the job safely they get paid more than horse people would and then you also have sanitation workers and janitors and all of these people whose jobs aren't highly respected in the community but work super hard and I don't think 
the amount that they're paid is reflective of their work at all. And this is why the hard work is all you need mentality is so toxic and it's perpetuated predominantly by people who are fairly well off or at least middle class enough that they don't necessarily have to have financial woes as the forefront of their struggles. And I think it comes from a place of just complete and utter ignorance and it's like I said earlier, it's completely ableist because it fails to factor in mental and physical problems that may cause people to be less able to provide for themselves in the manner they might need to to achieve certain goals. And especially in the horse world, there's very little in the way of scholarships or bursaries and like financial help for people who want to get in the horse world and who show drive, talent, and a good work ethic. There's very little to reward people like that who don't already have money. Most sponsorships are offered to people who've already made a name for themselves on the circuit. And in order to do that, you need money. And the the thing that bothers me so much is that there's so much money in the horse world. We have so many big players in the horse world who have tons and tons of disposable income. And they could be all contributing a little bit more to provide for scholarships and just means of providing more access to help lower show fees and just making it a bit easier for people to access. And I know a lot of people will argue that life just isn't fair. And yes, that's true. But I don't really view that as an excuse not to try to make it more fair when we see how skewed in the favor of the upper class things are at all parts of the world. And this isn't an attack on the upper class, but like it I would be lying if I didn't say that it bothers me to look at how much I'm being taxed on my income as someone who is just a fairly normal person in terms of income brought in, looking at how much I'm taxed and then seeing the tax breaks that huge billion-dollar corporations get, it's not fair. There's no reason why the little guys should be having to pay more in taxes than big companies. And all of these little things would start to add up. And even within the horse world, if you know you have big players in the horse world, would it really be so bad to just tack on a certain percent to their entry fee that goes into a scholarship fund for people who are less fortunate like are you really telling me that if you make this much money and you can afford six-figure horses and importing horses constantly and just putting all of your money into horses along with actually being able to feed yourself and afford a house and afford all of the necessities would it really be so bad to give a small percent to go into a scholarship fund for people who don't have all of those things like why is it so horrible to help out people who have less and why is that viewed as a problem or like people are being lazy or like they didn't work hard enough because how is it lazy to not manage to get a super high paying job when the odds are stacked against you because you're born into a family that can't financially support you in the way to make attending university easier, giving you specialized work or putting you in a position where you can start to move up the ranks of a company easily because maybe your family is a part of the company already? How is how is it fair to tell people that they just need to work harder when you've come from a place where you might have been born into circumstances that have made things significantly easier for you? You know, like it, it's just it's so judgmental and kind of ridiculous because I don't know, like, ugh. As I've said prior, my family used to have a lot more money than they did. The reason why we have less now is because my uncle like embezzled our entire university fund and the fund that was supposed to go into buying a house for us after my parents split up. 
So that sucked, but I've seen kind of both sides of it because I got to see how easily things came to me as a youngster when my parents covered all of my lessons, all the training fees for my horse, and all of my show fees. I took all of that for granted because I didn't even comprehend the fact that like people couldn't do that and that other families didn't have that much of a disposable income. And with that said, like I was very young, so it would have been hard for someone at my age to understand those concepts because I was like under 12 years old and those are pretty adult concepts. So like kids like actual children it under it's understandable why they're ignorant but to see all these adults or people in their late teens that are having difficulty kind of understanding how money works it's less excusable because they just have so much access to learn but anyways things came easy easily to me as a child and I got lots of opportunities simply because my parents had money I did absolutely nothing to work harder for said opportunities at the time because I would just lucked out by being born into a family that had money and yes my parents worked hard to get to what they wanted and they they've they've very inspiring people who do lots to help me and like emotionally and still support me even if they can't support financially right now they're amazing people and they set me up for success by being able to kind of yeah let me participate in my passions and supporting it emotionally and financially and that's great but in order to achieve those initial like privileges that I got in the start of my riding career I literally didn't do anything other than be born into a family that could afford it and I had absolutely no control over that so I did nothing so on the flip side you have people who are born into families that either do not support their riding at all emotionally and don't want them to ride even if they can't afford it or you have people who can't afford to support it financially but want more than anything to be able to give their child what their kid wants and then you have people who are unable to do either one and it it's just it's so wickedly unfair because these people have no control over the lives they're born into. And this is also without factoring in even more outside circumstances such as disability, health issues in the family, um, debt that they might have been born into with the family and like the need to help their family out and take into account any physical or mental disabilities. And it's such a multifaceted problem but it's not getting enough attention in the horse world and every time someone just writes it off as like oh just work harder you can get there they're completely missing the point and this isn't to discourage people from trying to work hard yes you should work hard and the circumstance you're born into doesn't necessarily have to define you but to try to label people's immense struggles as only needing hard work to have them overcome is just simply untrue because there's some things that stack so heavily the odds against someone that they can't realistically escape it without significant outside help or luck and you can't expect one person to be able to overcome extremely pressing financial issues along with other aspects of life that might be getting in their way it's not fair and I hope that like even for those of you who listen to this if you're privileged and your parents pay for everything in your horse world like don't take this as an attack I'm not saying that it's bad to take those things on you shouldn't feel guilty for like taking having access to the things that you do it's it's not your fault in the same way. Like if you're born into a family who can do that, you had no control over that either. However, from your position of privilege, you can help push the idea that we need more access. You can help stop people from promoting the idea that all it is is hard work and that's all people need to do to get ahead because the way the horse world works right now, if hard work 
was enough to get people to the top we would see a lot more people at the top of the sport who didn't come from money because a lot of the barn rat types who eat sleep and breathe horses and who spend hours and hours at the farm trying to like work off their lessons and stuff a lot of those types have olympic dreams but they're not getting there because of the sheer cost associated with it and the amount of hard work you have to put in to make up for not having the same level of income as most of the people at the top of the sport generally causes burnout so you have a lot of burnt out horse people that stop riding altogether or decide to take it right back and let go of their competitive dreams so as someone in a place of privilege what you can help do is help push the idea of increasing access coming up with ideas having discussion opening a dialogue encouraging others to change their vocabulary uh, vocabulary and sway away from the idea that hard work is all it takes to get ahead and to start saying that yes hard work is great and it can help you but there's certain things in the framework of our society and within the horse world that prevent people from getting there even with hard work and you have to factor in so many other obstacles that other people may experience that you've never even had to think of due to them never being a problem in your life and it's hard to do because it requires insight on the lives of others and this is why discussion is so great because for for me, like I recently got diagnosed with ADHD. I've talked about this in quite a few of my podcasts and there's a lot of behaviors like from a young age that would have easily been explained by my ADHD. And if I'd gotten diagnosed sooner, I would have had more access to help and at least more of an understanding of myself to get further ahead. But with that said, I was someone who is very high functioning, even with my ADHD, and I was able to still do pretty well in school and get by. So I was privileged in the way that I was able to mask my symptoms enough to kind of get by, be successful in school, even get into university and do my thing there. I was able to mask it, but there's people who aren't able to do that to the same extent or who have more struggles in different aspects than I did who are struggling from ADHD. And then we also have people who have other problems that immensely impact their ability to work and to set themselves up for success pertaining to the horse world and otherwise and you can't really fathom how those people feel without actually talking to them and trying to understand them and if you write everything off as only being hard work and that people are just complaining and trying to like trying to get free handouts and stuff if you immediately take on that mindset you're blocking out a lot of important dialogue that would help you understand because it's it's very interesting, like even from the point of like sheer perception of the world, talking to people who are neurotypical and don't have disorders like ADHD versus people with ADHD, the world experience is totally different and you can't even fathom the way people are feeling about things unless you actually try to communicate with them and get to the bottom of like what it's like to be them. And I think that's the problem between horse people is that people get so defensive trying to defend their hard work and the work they've put in to become a rider and trying to defend the fact that like their talent is from work and not from money which is true they get so caught up in defending their own place in the horse world that they inadvertently attack the place of others who are less fortunate than them and it makes it very hard to participate in the horse world and kind of be a fish out of water where there's people who are swimming in so much privilege and have access to things that you've never been able to dream of and you're kind of just along for the ride and watching this and along with that you're getting these kind of tiny little snippy remarks like little microaggressions towards your class status um people even like uh, even little things like people being really 
pretentious relating to brands or like style like attacking people for wearing too much color or for showing up to a show in half chaps all of these little things are just little attacks that generally are focused on people who don't have as much money because people who are struggling to participate in the horse world and trying to save money are more likely to have less nice things or maybe they don't have access to the types of trainers who drill into your head that it's not okay to have fun with color when you're riding and then they don't know the dialogue that is common at shows and get ridiculed as a result and this isn't even me saying that they should change what they're doing because if you like color do whatever the hell you want i think it's really weird for people to be so caught up and obsessed with what others are doing that they make fun of their outfits because of the freaking color of them i think that's the stupidest thing ever but people without the same access to kind of prepare them for these things are more likely to show up to shows not dressed exactly how others might want them to be or what others view to be correct and they might be ignorant to certain show rules and policies and make mistakes and then they get made fun of it for as a for it as a result but they're simply trying to do what people tell them to do which is working hard to get to where they want to go and unfortunately hard work without access generally looks like making mistakes and it's suffocating to hear people just telling people to work harder but then trying to sabotage said hard work at every stop or trying to like push them out of the horse world inadvertently by how they treat them when they make mistakes because you could be working hard to afford lessons but if you can't afford frequent lessons and you can't afford to have a coach on site with you for the whole weekend of a show you're very much on your own and there's a learning curve for this so if people are going to encourage the hard work mentality then they need to be equally accepting of people making mistakes and being a little bit ignorant because they don't have the same access to training when they're at shows and obviously within reason because like mistreatment of a horse is one thing but like I don't know for example like I've seen riders jump jumps backwards in the warm-up ring because they're not aware of like the red on the right white on the left rule and um that's like obviously a little bit dangerous if two people approach the same jump at the same time but I've seen them get yelled at and just completely reamed out in front of the entire warm-up ring and I don't think that's really the way to handle things because you could teach them and fix the problem in a far nicer way that doesn't embarrass the person and these are just little examples of things that people might be more inclined to make mistakes about if they don't have the same level of access to constant training and always having a trainer on site to help them at shows and even if they know the rules there's there's also the chance that because of nerves and the lack of support from a trainer or someone to kind of help them out and calm them down, they could make mistakes more, even if they're silly mistakes that they know better, but they don't have access to someone to kind of help them stay in the zone and stay as focused as what people who have a trainer as the support person at the show all the time do. So it a lot of it does come down to access and just understanding and kind of being empathetic towards other people and trying to understand where they're coming from because on the outside people can look like they have it very easy or that they could be doing more but they could be having internal turmoil from mental health issues and other things or like family circumstance traumas and so on and so forth and all these things are also applicable to people who are privileged and who have the money to participate in the horse world in ways that others may want to they can all struggle from these mental health issues as well so on both sides there needs to be mutual respect where you don't just call people spoiled brats or assume that they're lazy and don't know the value of money just
just because their parents have the money to be able to send them to shows with nice horses because there's a lot of people who have that privilege who are conscious of like what others don't have and remain humble and understand their privilege and help out others where they can and are really nice supportive people to have around the farm and aren't discriminatory to people with less than them or for people who aren't wearing the latest styles and so on and so forth. There's lots of hyper-privileged riders that are like this and understand the reality because their parents have made an effort to teach them the value of money and really kind of drill that into their heads. There's lots of people like that. So it's not fair to paint everyone with the same brush if you've gotten used to people kind of discrediting your hard work, just telling you to work harder, or all in all having like a lack of realism surrounding financial circumstance. There's a lot of people who aren't realistic and who are like that, but there's also a lot of people who aren't. So it's important not to sink to the level of just like labeling people off of their financial circumstance because on the flip side, no one likes it when they're less fortunate and it's the wealthy people doing that to them. So we kind of have to set a precedent for how we treat others. And like within reason if someone's cruel to you and they and they have like you they have money you don't necessarily need to be as nice to them if they're being rude about your financial circumstance like I mean within reason I'm not expecting people to be Mother Teresa and handle abuse without ever snapping but to go unprovoked and like commenting on people's posts where they get like a nice new horse imported or something and you're just like oh wow you're spoiled like that's just being an asshole like they're excited about something that they got and if you can seriously tell me that if your parents had access to those types of things that you'd turn them down and say no then I guess by all means be a judgmental asshole but like I'm pretty sure most of us would take it if we had the means to do so. So it goes on both sides. You can't demand respect from one side if you're constantly degrading them and kind of giving them a reason to be bitter and resentful towards you. But on the flip side, I would say the people who are working to the bone and feel underappreciated and feel like they can never get ahead and just kind of have to watch people achieve the goals that they've spent their whole life dreaming of and wanting to get there and then seeing people who have the finances to do so getting to where their end destination might be in a matter of years compared to like their decades because the other person doesn't have money it's hard to watch that happen and not become bitter or resentful as a result so a lot of the people who do react unkindly are doing so from a place of hurt and this can be said about most people and it can be really hard because you can put in like decades of riding and then you can watch people who've started riding within like the last five years able to move up to jump heights way higher than what you're able to do because they can afford a horse who's able to do that and help teach them the ropes as they go along. Whereas people without money may be stuck on green horses and kind of have to progress at the same rate as their green horse, which is time consuming and it's hard. So it does create an inherent bitterness, but people have to try to manage that and not be judgmental where the judgment's unfair. If someone has given you a reason to kind of place them in a box and assume that they're out to lunch about finances, that's one thing, but kind of unprovoked, just being cruel to people simply because they're fortunate and more privileged than you, not very fair because also we kind of need the support of more privileged people to help increase access since they're the ones that can help fund all the programs to do this. So being assholes to them isn't the way to achieve that. And on the flip side, I think that like every person who is privileged in this community with like even with their trainers, the idea of like hard work conquering all needs to stop. And you can start by teaching your friends this same concept and telling them to reframe their vocabulary and kind of change, change 
their way of thinking because the whole idea of hard work conquering all is what like pushes people to thinking that it's worthwhile and fair to take unpaid working student positions where they're working overtime and when you compare their compensation of lessons to the work that they put in it's simply not fair and this allows people to be more easily taken advantage of and we're kind of indoctrinating people into the mindset that like less fortunate people can be used and abused because they have to work extremely hard to get ahead in the horse world and Yes, work, hard work is important, but they also need to be compensated fairly. And I don't think that, especially in a sport where we're working with big, dangerous animals, I don't think it's fair to make someone put in full-time hours and only be getting, like, a lesson or two a week. And I don't think it's fair to, for, to have, like, these live-in positions where there's not even, like, a stipend. Because at the end of the day, that requires privilege. If you can go move somewhere and work somewhere and not accept any pay to afford food, your car or other living expenses. If you can do that, like it's still a form of privilege because you can live without needing pay to afford monthly bills like cell phone and so on and so forth. Um, and like that needs to stop because it's pushing, it, it denies opportunity to people who can't afford to do that. But also like it puts people in a position where they might be working too hard, becoming burnt out and having nothing to show for it after, which is why we see so many people that kind of just give up and drop out of the horse world because they realize it's too hard and there's so little reward for the amount of hard work that you're doing and for me like I posted recently because I would like someone to help untack and cool out horses occasionally when I'm getting busy um but like I'm super uncomfortable with offering a position like that without adequate compensation and I'm not in the place where I can actually afford to hire another employee so what I instead do for compensation is like I want to ensure that if someone's going to come and help me for a few hours a couple times a week that every time they're here that they're able to get on and ride a horse because then they're putting in like I don't know like an hour or two cleaning tack maybe picking a paddock brushing a couple horses lunging a horse or two and then getting to ride whenever they feel like it and I want to make sure that they actually get rides and like also lessons and just kind of giving people access that they wouldn't otherwise have, but having it be more within the lens of like, okay, if you worked at this, these amount of hours at a fair cost of living and you factored in like what the cost of like leasing a horse would be, I want to match that with what I offer people. And I think that's what all working student positions should do because if you're working, like, honestly, like, horse jobs should be paid more than minimum wage because of the inherent risk involved with it. So if you're working full-time as, like, a stable employee or a working student, I think you should be getting paid above minimum wage. So if you're working, like, full-time hours, overtime, you should also be getting paid time and a half for overtime. And if you add up all of those hours and they come out to less than what you are getting in lessons or other resources, then you're not getting paid enough. And I think that's the case with way too many work positions. And it's unfortunate because it allows extremely privileged people to take advantage of underprivileged people and kind of through them without a care in the world because they don't really care at the end of the day if the person gets burnt out and quits and decides to quit riding after that they can just replace them with someone new because we've created such an intense mentality of like hard work conquers all that you have so many people that are willing to go into these intensive work positions with so little in return and just work themselves to the bone until they just simply can't anymore so there's a there's no shortage of people to exploit and we need to stop perpetuating ideas that justify said exploitation because it's 
very problematic and concerning. And it's just, it's one of those things that it's so frustrating to watch because I can say pretty comfortably that I've been on both sides of it where I was like extremely privileged with how I got introduced in the horse world. And now I've like worked really hard to start up my business, but I don't think it takes away from the hard work that I've put in to acknowledge the fact that like my initial ability to have my lessons paid for and how much my parents helped me getting into horses and getting my first horse and ensuring that I was able to ride all of those things created a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten for myself today and I would be stupid to try to say that without that that I could have done the same thing because most of my opportunities were reliant on me already being able to know how to ride and stuff and it doesn't take away from the work that I've done to admit that and I want to say this to like less fortunate people as well like I'm not telling you not to work hard like there's a lot of things that I have now that if you asked me like five years ago even two three years ago there's no way I would have thought that it was possible like I have dreamed of having a horse trailer and a truck since I was like a tiny little kid and it's something that I would spend so much time at like shows and like especially once my financial situation at home got hard I would kind of watch other riders that were in and around the same age as me and like their parents that had fancy trucks with the trailer and their ability to go to shows and haul their horses themselves and the freedom that it gave them to have these things and I would watch with such envy and like I could feel the want and like the pain in my soul for wanting these things so badly but seeing no practical way of achieving them I wanted them so badly with like my entire being and it caused me pain and I would like obsess over it I would look at photos of trucks and trailers and just kind of dream of what it would be like to have something like that and it sucked and I wouldn't have ever thought that I would be able to achieve these things and like honestly there was a point like when I was like probably in grade nine or ten in high school where I had given up on like what had been like a lifelong dream since the time I was four on all of my school projects I said I wanted to be a horse trainer but because of the costs and like all the burdens associated with horses, I didn't really see a realistic way of achieving these things with my lack of money. And I saw it as a huge risk because I was worried about choosing not to go to school and then trying to start a training business, having it not succeed and then having nothing to fall back on and having to go into debt to kind of find my way in university and find a new job. And I initially wasn't planning on starting a training business at all. And it was kind of just like getting back into the whole off the track thoroughbred thing and being at a really supportive barn and kind of like developing that way and like getting Milo at the end of university and stuff that all kind of like reignited my passion and really pushed my drive to do things and having social media and like the support from that and the extra opportunities it gave me to save money on like tack and stuff through getting sponsorships and whatnot. All of that stuff really helped. And then I started to kind of really work towards starting up Milestone Equestrian in the training business. And for like the first year, it was very, very slow. And like, you don't necessarily know how well it's going to work out or how feasible it'll be long term. And then it started to build and grow. And then I got my first truck, which I got like a 2005 Chevy Silverado with like 112,000 kilometers so really low kilometers and I got it for $8,000 and I worked my butt off this was after I had sold I had a little Hyundai Accent that I bought for $2,500 before this and I drove that for about a year and then I wanted a truck because I wanted to have something that I could pull a trailer with and I had gotten 
offered a trailer to borrow from my boss at the racetrack and she said I could borrow her three horse trails west so I started to look for a truck I found my Chevy Silverado got it for eight thousand dollars and I was ecstatic and it didn't it wasn't fancy it had rolly windows no power windows the only fancy thing it had was AC and then it had a decent towing capacity a decent towing capacity and good tow package which is all I really needed but it wasn't fancy at all and I was so excited and I got to start hauling with it and practicing hauling using my boss's trailer and it gave me so much more freedom to take the horses to shows and to really start doing things and go for trail riding more and work on getting better trailer manners for my horses and stuff and this was kind of like the start of like realizing how much freedom this gave me and like how amazing it was but it was like really achieving a dream that I hadn't seen as being possible in the past and it was like such a cool thing to be able to do that and like I know my truck wasn't fancy like it had body damage it was old and like it wasn't fancy to look at and there's a lot of horse people who had a nicer truck than me but like it was my truck and I got it with my own money and it was something that I didn't initially view as possible but through like my work training horses and kind of building my social media profile and stuff, I was able to save money to get that. And then what followed the truck about eight months later was when I was able to get my first horse trailer. And again, not really anything fancy because like I would want something bigger. Like my trailer is like a budget friendly three horse. So the stalls are a lot smaller. The ceiling's not warm blood size. So like I will inevitably need to get a bigger trailer at some point. But I got it for a screaming deal from someone that I knew and who allowed me to do some payments on it. And I used one of my big payouts from YouTube following the rescue video I did on Simon where I got a huge lump sum of cash. And with that, I was able to put a down payment down on the trailer and then pay off the rest of it within like a month and a half. And the trailer itself was like $6,500, which was well under value because it was basically brand new when I got it, even though it was a 2012. But like, like I said, it wasn't particularly fancy and com- when you compare it to like what a lot of other horse people, especially in my discipline of choice, like when I pulled up to horse shows with like my truck, my truck definitely was a little bit out of place when you compare it to all the brand new like huge like Duramax diesel trucks with like all the bells and whistles and my trailer is just a little guy that's harder to fit large horses in with a low ceiling but like it was mine and I bought it myself and I was able to earn it myself and I could say I had my own horse trailer and I had achieved the dream that I had had since I was so young and it was like honestly life-changing and it was one of those things that I hadn't seen happening for me like I'm I want to be honest with all of you and saying that like in high school like in grade 10 and 11 probably between grade 9 11 like I was really considering getting out of horses and I had given up my training dreams and I was initially planning on going to school for psychology to become a psychologist and just taking out student loans to do that and it wasn't until I got Milo and started getting like my off the track thoroughbreds and stuff that that really started to change and that once again like my passion for horses was reignited but I'm not kidding when I say that I like had basically given up and I had gotten tired of wanting all these things with all of my core and just seeing no realistic path to getting them but then within like a matter of a few years following high school and starting to really pursue my dreams of opening the training business within a matter of like four years I was starting to build 
upper clientele I got like the job galloping racehorses which was one of the big game changers for me too that really piqued my interest in training horses and reignited my love for thoroughbreds and really wanted it got me wanting to get involved in the horse industry and from there it kind of snowballed and like I honestly like I'm sitting here like right now and like it's pretty wild to me like to actually look at the fact that I have like a horse trailer and a truck especially like with my new truck that I got which like full disclosure obviously I didn't buy that outright because trucks are hella expensive like I could have gotten such a fancy sport car for like the cost of like an average truck um they're very expensive so I do payments on my truck but like what my plan is with my truck is like I want to get some project horses that I'll sell and then I'm going to use the money from their sales to start paying down the truck so that I can pay it down faster than what the payment period is. But even with that said, like I like I could not have even fathomed like even two years ago or last year that I would have the credit score that would allow me to finance a truck without a co-signer at 25. And like, that's pretty wild to me because it's basically like the truck is basically new. It's a 2018, but it was like a, a lease truck. So whoever had it before me only put 55,000 kilometers on it. And like, it has power windows, which is pretty exciting. That was like one of the most exciting things ever. Power windows and seat warmers. So fancy, like, oh my God. And it's like one of those things where like, I never thought that I would be able to do that. And like, it's insane to me that, yeah, like I was able, like the thing that's most insane to me is not having the truck so much as actually being accepted to get one without a co-signer because like, honestly, like, especially when you're self-employed, like it's a lot harder to get these types of things because like a self-employed income is like entirely reliant on you continuing to manage that business and so on and so forth. But like, yeah, like even two years ago, I couldn't, have even imagined it like even at last year around this time I wouldn't have even imagined that happening and I would have just been dreaming and dreaming and dreaming and like hurting from wanting so much and it's hard because you get kind of greedy like the more you kind of look at things and compare yourself to things like with my old truck like I loved my truck it was super reliable it could do what I wanted to do but I would still find myself kind of enviously looking at other people's rigs at horse shows and kind of feeling lesser than and like it wasn't good enough and that I just wished I had something nicer and it's hard to like not go into that mindset when you're constantly getting slapped in the face with like very luxuriously expensive things in the horse world and it can be disheartening but like it is pretty crazy how circumstances can change and like I said like I have I had privileges that definitely gave me an edge compared to other people um like learning how to ride earlier but like even with those I was burnt out and I didn't want to continue going on and I had to get kind of like a change of scenery I guess from like starting off the galloping and like getting Milo and Milo really changed my life in terms of piquing my interest in equine behavior and having me look into things more because he had so many interesting like stress behaviors and he was so communicative with people and how he would interact with them that I started like kind of labeling what I thought the behaviors were but they weren't necessarily super common and they were things that I would have been taught to either discipline or ignore in the past so I started kind of reading into it more and then that's where I decided to go to school for equine sciences along with like my journalism and English pursuits and 
it snowballed into like what it is today with my business but like I wouldn't have expected any of this to be where it is and like it's pretty wild to me because like I know people probably look at me and they go like wow she's so lucky and so privileged and fortunate she has like a truck and a trailer and she has all these horses and stuff but really like what has gotten me there has been like yeah like kind of a change in circumstances because I wouldn't be able to have as many horses as I have now if I didn't live on the property and do self-care like buying all of your stuff and doing all the care yourself is a lot cheaper than boarding because you can buy hay in bulk and you can feed like large square bales or round bales and it's quite a bit cheaper um, and then also obviously like with my business now that I have a small business there's stuff that I can write off as business expenses if it's for sales horses and whatnot stuff pertaining to my business and it makes it easier to get sales horses to train and sell so like all these things are again things that I never would have expected to be able to do even within like two to three years ago before I moved here and moving onto the farm changed a lot of things for me and it made me more able to first of all work more because I don't have to drive as far to get to the barn and secondly have more access to being able to do things like take on more sales projects but I know people probably look at like how many horses I have and like even with like breeding Banksy and stuff and like look at how like privilege that is to have and like I am privileged in a lot of ways but I will say like in terms of like the aspect of not trying to lose hope like I want to be upfront with all of you listening to this and say that like I had lost hope and I didn't want to continue on in my pursuits of becoming a horse trainer even though it was something that I had wanted basically my entire life like I was burnt out and I was ready to give up and I was tired and um, like if like like I said, even within the last five years, like there's no way I would have ever thought that I would have bred like my own horse by 25 and that I would have like this nice little colt that I have now with Banksy and stuff like that. Like I wouldn't have viewed it as possible. But basically what happened is there are certain opportunities that arose. And like I will admit to some extent, like there is a risk taking aspect of things, because even with like taking on any sales horse, you're putting at risk the possibility that they'll be lame and like unsellable and then you'll lose out on all the money that you put into training them. And so I got like these these opportunities that I decided to try to like use to get ahead and like with Banksy like it was like my boss at the racetrack I had made connections through her and we had worked together for a few years at this point and she offered me Banksy's mom for free off the track and I took her and I turned her out and I was gonna start retraining her to sell and I decided on a whim that I would try to do one breeding to kind of see what happens because I wanted to start being like prepared to have a competition horse to kind of take over Milo's part in my life because and also have something that's more has been handled better throughout its life so it doesn't have the same level of like anxieties and like stressors and caution that Milo has like I've mentioned in previous podcasts Milo is a survivor and that's not something that even with training like he's always just going to be a more cautious horse and I wanted something that didn't have such a negative association with people from the first two years of their lives so I wanted something I could raise and kind of model myself and not have to spend the kind of money I would have to do to get it when it was already on the ground because that's a large lump sum of cash that's a lot harder to do rather than like spacing it out so what I did is I decided to breed the mare and she caught first try which was really lucky so that saved me lots of money 
And then I sold her to a friend of mine who was super interested in her, and we essentially arranged it as a breeding lease. So the sales price covered all costs associated with the stud fee and the vet bills, and then I kept her until she had gone through all of, like, the necessary scanning procedures to ensure that the foal had stuck, which is, like, within, like, the first 45 days type deal. Um, Once they're there, like, they have a higher likelihood of, like, not being, like, aborted after that time. So during the really sensitive time where you're just kind of watching the embryo grow, she stayed with me and then she went to her new home so that her owner could start riding her and kind of developing a relationship with her and she stayed there all winter I covered all of the vet bills associated with Banksy um, and like the breeding stuff and like all pregnancy vaccines and all of that stuff and then she came back to me about three weeks to a month before she fold and stayed here until after inspection and like obviously like we had some problems with like her rejecting him and whatnot and that added money to the whole thing but even still like my costs associated with him are still lower than what they would have been if I had tried to buy the same horse once it was already on the ground especially with how unique his markings are he would have the chrome tax for sure (laughs) um but yeah like that that's like an opportunity that I took because I took the horse on and like yeah there's always the risk you're not going to be able to sell the horse or that something will happen that they can injure themselves and whatnot I took her on and it worked out really well from the standpoint of I was able to sell her and like do the breeding lease which saved me money on board when she was with her owner and it also covered all of the breeding fees associated with Banksy which meant that I didn't have anything actually being paid out of pocket really so it's it's like taking advantage I guess of opportunities as they're given to you and like to some extent like I said there is an inherent risk especially if you're trying to open your own business and especially if you don't have like money to fall back on or investors to help you out when you find yourself in a pickle it's very stressful but like most of the stuff that I have now like I wouldn't have even imagined in my wildest dreams to be possible and it's interesting to see how things can change so like in sharing this all I want to do is just like make it clear that I'm not telling you guys to give up but I do think like the concept of hard work conquering all problems is toxic and it also slows down the process of trying to increase access because it's implying that there is enough access and that people are just being lazy if they can't find said access so that's why I want that to change but I also don't want people who are falling on hard times or who feel hopeless to some extent to just feel like I'm telling them to give up because that's not at all my intention like I could have very easily give up given up and I almost did And, like, things have changed in a way that, like, I couldn't have even seen coming in my wildest dreams, and I didn't have, like, the hope that this would happen. And it's just, like, all of these little things that have gradually added up over time to give me a lot of the things that I had just dreamed over. And, like, the only thing that's really, like, my pressing obsession now with my life um, is the desire to, like, have a farm and be, like, a farm owner, a homeowner. And similarly to like how I felt about like the other stuff with like the truck and trailer it feels utterly unattainable and suffocating and I look at it with like just this want and wish that I could achieve that and looking at like friends who are able to buy such properties with families or people that I know that are able to buy properties and like build beautiful horse properties on them and have it seem realistic I look at them with like this intense wanting and like pain and like a thirst for having what they do because the housing (coughs) sorry about that the housing market here 
is so so insanely expensive and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down so basically to buy like a property anywhere near to where I would need to have it to maintain my business I would be looking at spending easily over a million dollars generally like between two and three depending on how big of a property you're trying to get and like that feels so ridiculously unattainable and like the sad thing is here in BC like it's something like 98% of first-time home buyers had help from their parents to put down the down payment and sign off on the mortgage and like that's great if you have parents who are able to do that but that is like utterly hopeless feeling to people who don't have family who are financially capable of doing so and I guess the only perk that I can say is because I've been able to overcome some of the boundaries that seem to be so pressing in years past, I'm hoping that in some miraculous way, I will be able to find a way to get the horse property of my dreams so that I can provide my horses with the exact turnout schedule and barn setup that I would want to and also put in money to fixing things and doing things how I would want to without the money essentially being thrown out the window on a rental property where you just have to leave it there and that's like one of the main problems with having horses on rental properties that is really disheartening is like doing something like training changing the drainage is like a ten thousand dollar endeavor at least and then you don't get to see any of that when you move you can't take it with you and it's just money that you put into someone else's property and that is a very sad concept But anyways, like that's kind of my next dream and what I am working towards. And I'm saying it now because I want to be kind of upfront about these things so that people can hear me say them in real time. And then like if I am fortunate enough to achieve it one day, we can look back on this and go, wow, I did it. But like I honestly don't like right now, this is one of the things that I feel pretty much hopeless about. There's like that little tiny sparkle of hope because of how other things have worked out but it just seems so suffocating with how the world is going so um this is just to say that like set realistic goals and don't give up and just remember that like yes we lack access but if you are creative and you have people that support you and you can help finagle opportunities you can create your own differing levels of access within a sport that lacks access and that it's normal to feel hopeless or that it's normal to feel like you want to give up or feel burnt out and that lots of people feel that whether they admit to it or not but even when you're burnt out it's not always a means to give up and what I will say too is that if you're feeling burnt out in a job that it underappreciates you and undercompensates you and you can't do it anymore, those are cases where it's okay to give up. I don't think you should continue putting your all into people that don't respect you and don't compensate you appropriately. I don't think people should stay in bad jobs that are taking advantage of them. I think they should find people that they can kind of align their views with and who appreciate them for their worth and want to help them and that can be hard to do it can be hard to find a community in the horse world but once you do there's a lot of support and understanding there and sorry and there are sorry oh my god there's powers there's power in numbers and if you find a lot of the little guys who like you aren't super extremely wealthy and who have 
a more realistic view on some of the obstacles and struggles that life brings. You'll find people that are there to help pick you up when you're down and who want to provide you with opportunities to help you out and to kind of continue pushing you to drive further and to ask for more in life and to continue on your journey of trying to do more and that's what I found in some of the people I've worked for like with my boss from the racetrack letting me use her trailer or with like people giving me deals on stuff like when I bought my horse trailer or the people in the past when I had my thoroughbreds and my Arab I used to have very inexpensive what people would probably consider to be ugly saddles and I gradually sold them and saved so that I had a tiny bit more and would gradually improve the saddle resell buy something nicer gradually save money and buy something nicer and trade up and sometimes people even let me do payments on saddles and that's how I got my first really nice saddle was someone let me do payments on an $800 saddle and it took me like two or three months to pay it off as like a 16 year old but I did it and then I had a nice saddle that had more value so when I sold it I was able to change it up for something nicer in the future and it took time and it was frustrating to not always have nice things and to be comparing myself to others but eventually it led me to kind of getting to what I want even if it's like a different path than what a lot of other people have to take. So to all of you out there I implore you to keep dreaming and dream vividly dream wildly but try not to let it make you bitter or jaded or disheartened and to use your platform and your voice to encourage access in the horse world, even if it feels like you're yelling into an echo chamber where you're not heard, we might as well try. Silence is not the answer. Ignoring things and pushing them aside isn't any more likely to get people to listen than loudly demanding for them is. And there's a lot we can do to change the horse world for the better to allow people more access. And it would actually be pretty cool because we'd see more competition and more variety and diversity in the horse world if we are indeed able to improve access. And I think a lot of the young people in the horse world are headed that way. There's so many more socially aware youngsters than there were from what I recall when I was young. And you guys are going to be the trailblazers for helping really enact change in the horse world. So keep doing what you're doing. Be proud of yourselves. Don't give up. And just remember that even if people's lives look pretty decent from the outside, a lot of us are going through similar struggles to you and I just wanted to share that little piece about kind of like my journey as an equestrian trying to afford things so that people can kind of hopefully relate a little bit and just know that like not everything has been butterflies and rainbows for me and while I have privilege there's been some difficult things and some moments of hopelessness as well. It hasn't always been smooth sailing for me and there have been a lot of times where I've been burnt out and wanted to give up. So you are not alone and I understand and can appreciate where a lot of you are coming from even if you're struggling with way harder things than me and family problems. Trust me, I can understand and appreciate it and I hear you and even if I can't fully grasp the pain or the struggle you're going through, I can try to level with you regarding how difficult things are. And again, like this is about finance and accessibility, so I don't really need to go into detail on like family things. But what I will say is that like my family situation hasn't been perfect. We've had 
struggles with like mental health issues my dad's stroke addiction issues with siblings like severe ones and I've gotten through this to kind of see a lot of different sides of mental health aspects and how it can negatively impact people and how it changes lives and I've also gotten to talk to a lot of cool people who are struggling with similar things through these types of interactions within my family and I get it more than what some of you might think especially related to like the addictions crisis I get the hopelessness and I hope for those of you who don't you might consider that there are kids out there who have dreams to become professional equestrians and who want nothing more to ride but who are essentially having to be the parents in their lifestyle because of addiction issues and other mental health issues that necessitate them stepping up to help their parents survive and help any siblings they might have and that this is just one example of an instance where people might be having to do this and why hard work isn't necessarily enough to overcome that enough to allow them the freedom to spend lots of money on what at its core is a luxury for most people riding is fun it's a sport it's a passion but in terms of financial perspective it's a luxury so just try to be more understanding of others and know that when people say that you are privileged in some way they're not saying you haven't worked hard Having privilege simply means there's just some aspects of your life that have made it so you don't need to consider or worry about problems that others struggle with. And that's not a weakness. It doesn't take away from your hard work. It doesn't take away from your life at all. It just means that you should respect and appreciate those who might have more on their plate than you can fathom. And that's all. So thank you for listening, and I hope that this was an interesting podcast for people. Don't forget to check out my website, my blog, um, the new saddle pads that I'm selling with my friend Callie through her website. It's linked on my website as well. So if you go to milestoneequestrian.ca and then go to Milestone Shop, you can shop the saddle pads on the saddle pad selection, or you can shop my merch if you click on apparel. And there's some really cool stuff. And like I said, I've been trying to price it at a more affordable rate. But like since we've 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 discussed a lot of this in in this podcast, but since I don't really have like investors to help me do mass order quantities, it limits how much I can reduce the price on things because I have to pay more per order because I can only do small orders due to not having like the outright funds to do the massive ones because it's like a big risk especially if they don't all sell so that's kind of why but maybe in the future like we'll try to make it even more accessible and have more sales once I'm able to do bigger orders and I appreciate all your support and like everyone who's been there like whether you've kind of been supporting me for days weeks months or years like you have been a part of the journey and I'm not kidding you when I say that this is like the social media and like response from people on social media and what I've learned through people online have been a very important factor in where I am in my journey as an equestrian and a lot of the changes that I've underwent so thank you